The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. All right, welcome to Matt Minnick's Bengals Chalk Talk. I am Matt Minnick today. Joining me, former NFL player uh, Eric Crocker, who writes for 4th and 9, covers the 49ers, and uh, hosts the Press Coverage Podcast. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. So Eric is a great follow on Twitter. Uh, lots of good DB stuff. I love talking. I love talking about DBs. I love watching one on ones. I love talking to DBs. So, uh, so this is this is a, this is a great guest for me. But uh, today we're going to focus a little bit more uh, on the game upcoming this weekend. Uh, having Eric, that's uh, you know that's right in there and knows everything that's going on with the 49ers. Um, so, hey, obviously the the Chiefs have been good for a while, and and Mahomes just made them even better. Uh, but the 49ers were 4-12 and last season, uh, coached in the Senior Bowl, much like the Bengals, uh, and this year flipped that on its head and went 13-3. and Now they're playing in the, in the real bowl. They're playing in the Super Bowl. So uh, now there's a lot going on here, but, but, but Eric, what, what, what happened? How did, they, how did they turn that thing around? You know, I, I think the biggest thing is, with the new coaching staff that came in, I think a lot of people kind of forget that first year with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. You know, they made a lot of changes. but And obviously the biggest one being, you know, landing Jimmy Garoppolo. But even before that, they had lost five straight games by a combined 12 points, right? So that was something that was just, like, kind of incredible at that time where it was like, ah, they're so close. And I remember telling people, yeah, they're close. I think that kind of lets us know we have the right coaches, coaching staff in place, but the 49ers were just a few players away. And I thought no matter what they did that year, they were always going to be a few players away, um, even though they were they were losing games by the skin of their teeth, you know. And, you know, fast forward, they ended up getting Jimmy Garoppolo, and next thing you know, they, they reel off a uh, five straight win, right? And, and they, uh, you know, that was after starting the season off 0-8. They got him after that eighth game. Um, he sat for a while. They beat the New York Giants. And then after uh, it went down, Jimmy G came in, and, you know, from there they won every game to close the season. And then they had all the high expectations going into the next year. Um, oh, you know, Jimmy G, you know, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. Um, 
And obviously, as 49 fans, we have high expectations as well. But, you know, it didn't start off, you know, like we would have expected. You know, you had week one, they had the, the big road loss to the Minnesota Vikings, which, you know, they were they were pretty good at home. They're still pretty good at home. Um, and then they had the the win against the Lions and then the road loss to Arrowhead. Um, and that was a tough one because, obviously, the 49ers lost Jimmy Garoppolo for the year. And now I, I don't think even if they had Jimmy Garoppolo for the year, it would have been that what we see now. But I think even then, even going 4-12, you could really see that the 49ers were headed in the right direction. Um, they were extremely competitive the entire time. Uh, the locker room, for whatever reason, you never saw guys write down on each other. You, you didn't hear any bad things come out of it, um, out of the locker room, which is kind of like we are for a losing team. There's usually some kind of turmoil. There was, there was like nothing. Um, everybody was in good spirits somehow and really looking forward to what was going to, you know, be next. And then um, I almost felt like Jimmy Garoppolo kind of sacrificed his knee for the betterment of the team because, you know, only winning four games, they ended up landing the 49ers um, top picks in the first and second rounds, which they used to get uh, uh, Nick Bosa, who I think is about to be or is the defensive rookie of the year, and obviously Debo Samuel, who played a big part in, in, in the team's success this year as well. So um, that's how it got to the point where they are now. It's been a tight-knit group the entire time. They just need a few things to go their way, and, once they went their way, man, they, they, they play together, they execute, they coach extremely well, and they they just play some really sound, really sound, sound football. Yeah, I mean, obviously getting uh, getting Jimmy back is uh, is a big one, uh, you know, getting that right back in there. I, I think it's kind of interesting, too, because uh, the debate is mostly mostly quieted, uh, but there are still some, some people that follow the Bengals uh, that want that want Chase Young, uh, and and I mean, look at it. You know, 49ers went out and they got a top pass rusher. I think I feel like they tried to get a pass rushers uh, in a lot of drafts and ended up getting guys that were really better in the interior. Um, and and Bosa, you know, really ended up making a big difference for him this year. But obviously, uh, getting the quarterback back is even bigger. Uh, <laughs> so right. you mentioned Debo. Uh, you know, uh, big pickup there. Um, you know, I know they also made a move for uh, for Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, so, you know, how how do you think those additions, you know, and bringing those guys in with with the existing talent they have with with Kittle and with uh, uh, with the running backs, uh, you know, how how do you think that uh, played a part in you know helping them get uh, get to the next level this year? Oh uh, yeah, they, they, so they needed the receiver help. You know, um, Marquise Goodwin. A lot of fans like him. First year with Kyle Shanahan, he almost had a thousand yards. He was about thirty yards shy, and in the last game, he got knocked out early, so he didn't reach. He didn't hit that thousand yards. And I think a lot of people were expecting big things from him. He drafted um, Dante Pettis, and you know a lot of people were like, "Man, he finished the season strong." They were expecting a big year out of him, and then the next year, which was this past off season, they went out and they drafted two receivers. They drafted Debo, and they drafted uh, 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 Jalen Hurd. And you could kind of see right away, even throughout camp, I'm there, you know, on the sidelines during training camp. It's like, uh, Marquise Goodwin, he kind of just, he had an off year last year, and you watch him in camp, and it's just like, I don't think he's the guy. And then you 
also watching Dante Pettis, who I'm pretty sure the 49ers wanted to be the guy, but he just it it wasn't clicking. They actually were forcing him the ball. He was the most targeted receiver all throughout training camp, and they and he just wouldn't come through. The actual receiver who was probably like I would say the best. I mean, out of all the guys they had throughout training camp was Trent Taylor, but leading into the first preseason game you find out he fractured his foot. He ended up missing the entire year. So they had to do something. You have a really young core. You have Pettis, who's for whatever reason, isn't coming through. Um, uh, Goodwin had his issues with injuries and stuff. You have Debo Samuel. He's a rookie. He didn't even really know the playbook, and he's admitted that he didn't think he would ever get the playbook because it was so difficult. And it's like, well, well what do you do? So they started off the season really hot, as we saw. And you're heading towards the uh, the the trade deadline, and I actually wrote about it where it was like, hey, they need to get a guy in here, and they need to get a guy now because the 49ers started the season off really hot, and they didn't really need an explosive passing game, but you could see at some point you you might need that. You you might need it. They they didn't need it yet, but you might need it, and. They did what I was hoping. They went ahead. They traded for a receiver. I thought it might have been A.J. Green, but I know the, the Bengals kind of still pat on that. They they weren't going to trade him. But um, they landed Emmanuel Sanders. And right away, you could see the impact that he was going to have. And, and that was right around the time where even Debo Samuel started turning that page and really understanding the playbook and, and the why. They started using him in a variety of ways. And uh, the, the receiving core, obviously with George Kittle, just started taking off from there. Yeah, you know, kill too. Uh, what really sets him apart from from other tight ends is his ability to block, and it's interesting in that offense. You've got Kittle, who can do so many things, and you've got Usechek that can do so many things. Uh, you know what? You know what impact do you think Usechek has on this offense, and, and you know, being that kind of X factor, moving piece kind of guy. Uh, you know, what's what's he doing uh, to contribute to this uh, this run? Well, he kind of, like, leads the whole thing. He, he's one of the key pieces. A lot of what the 49ers want to do is all window dressing. They shift guys. They move guys. They make a lot of things look the same, but it's something different. And Yusek uh, is a big part of that, you know, how he kind of runs, and he'll start this way, come back that way, and then it's like, oh, you think you're blocking because you've seen it, and then all of a sudden, no, he slips out, and he catches the ball, and he's had some explosive plays. And um, there's a lot of things that Kyle Shanahan, he'll – He'll kind of throw out there from time to time and show you something that, like, damn, I haven't seen them do this. Or I, I know uh, I coached with this guy, Desmond Bishop. Desmond Bishop played a bunch of years in the NFL. We coached high school football together here in Stockton, California. And one thing that he was telling me, and, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion, he said, man, once he sees something once, if you give him that same look again, he's going to shoot. And I think that's the thought process of a lot of linebackers. So they'll see you check. And, oh, I've seen this before. And then the next thing you know is not what you thought you saw. And um, it's a use check who just made the look look the same. So now it's George Kittle or Debo Samuel or somebody else that's benefited off of the, benefiting off of the, the play fake. But um, a lot of what the 49ers do offensively and how it looks, sometimes how it looks similar and all that they're asked of use check to, use check to do, um, it, it, a lot of it plays off of him. I mean, this dude lined up in the slot and ran a goal route on, on, on the Seahawks and caught like a 45-yard pass. So now he, he's so instrumental to what the 49ers do in the running game and in the passing game. 
So, you know, you're talking uh, quite a bit about scheme. Uh, Kyle Shanahan coming over, had a, a ridiculous season as, as offensive coordinator with the uh, Atlanta Fel- Falcons on their Super Bowl run. Um, you know, and really it doesn't, doesn't get enough talk about how that was peak Matt Ryan. You know, for all the talent, all the potential that guy has, um, and he he has never really been on the same level as he was, uh, you know, when he was paired up with, with Kyle Shanahan. Um, what what do you think Shanahan brought from that experience with the with the Falcons and that Super Bowl experience? Uh, and, and what do you think you know maybe he's learned and and kind of changed uh, since he's been a, a head coach now? And you know, the biggest thing I've seen with Kyle Shanahan is he 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 adapts to the talent that he has on his team. And as long as he has good players, and, you know, those good players might be different, right? We, you, know, you have Julio Jones, elite, maybe the best receiver in the NFL. We, we don't have that. But, hey, we have an elite tight end. So now he's kind of tailored the offense more uh, to fit a guy, you know, uh, George Kittle's uh, skill set. And then just kind of play off, and play off of that and do a lot of things off of that. So I think, the, like, one of the biggest things I've seen with him is, and you would think that more coaches would be like this, but he plays to the talent of his team to the highest of levels, right? We we saw him with RG3, and, you know, RG3 won Offensive Rookie of the Year, you know, went to the playoffs, and obviously we've seen since then he hasn't been the same. Um, and then you saw him with Matt Ryan and those guys, and it was more of an explosive passing game and a little bit more high volume, right, to, to the point where Matt Ryan won league MVP. And then now you have him with Jimmy Garoppolo, who might be a little bit more of a system quarterback than even maybe so like a Matt Ryan, but he even has uh, for all the you know criticism that Garoppolo takes top five in most categories that matter in in football. So he executes the system to a T, and it is just it's, it's it's Kyle Shanahan and how he puts guys in position to win. The things that he does with Debo Samuel um, on these end arounds, the, the way that he's made these uh, running backs who. Most people haven't heard of. You know, I, I saw, I listened to some um, Bengals podcasts uh, before the 49ers played the, um, played the Bengals, and they were like, well, you know, who are these running backs? Who is Matt Breda? Who is, you know, they knew who Tevin Coleman was, but he wasn't some game breaker. You know, who is this monster guy? You know, they don't have McKinnon. That's supposed to be their guy. The next thing you know, you know, the running 49ers run for 100 and I don't know how many yards, but I know it was a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was, that, that was an ugly game. Uh, the, uh, we had uh, the Bengals had no idea how to stop uh, how to stop the Forty ers on the edge. They had no right. edge players the entire game. But yeah, uh, yeah and, 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 and I'm with you. Like in that game, I was like, "Who is Jeff Wilson?" I mean, that sounds like men right. like automatically generating a name. Right. <laughs> it's it's difficult because they throw so many different things at you, man. I think as a defense, you have to be if you're playing the Forty ers I think the number one thing is just be super disciplined. You have to be so disciplined. And, you know, the crazy thing is with how well ran the 49ers offense was throughout this entire year for the most part. Um, You know, the number two scoring offense in the league, the the number four total offense in the league, they're not talked about, the offense isn't talked about like that with the likes of Kansas City Chiefs who, you know, you look at all the numbers, they're behind the 49ers. But people talk about, Hey, how are the 49ers going to stop the the Chiefs? You never hear the question, how how are the Chiefs going to stop this 49ers offense that's so multiple? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting too because you can you can see how the 49ers are going to stop them. You know, their defensive backs have uh, really stepped up uh, this year, and, and that D line, you know, with Bosa being that that last piece, you know, it really seems like everybody's uh, everybody's come to life. So, um, you know, to me, you know, that that's what if the if we're going to see a 49ers win, I, you know, we're seeing a lot of pressure. Uh, we're seeing them contain, uh, you know, contain and, and, and sack Patrick Mahomes. We're probably seeing a lot of holding calls on, on them and uh, maybe, maybe some defensive pass, interf- uh, pass interferences on the 49ers here and there. Uh, but, I mean, you can see a, a path for that, Where whereas, you know, the matchup on the other side, uh, you know, the, the, that's going to be a little bit rougher. Uh, Kansas City's uh, defense, not, uh, you know, not the best, and definitely the, the way, you know, uh, kind of, Complimentary well football works with the speed of their offense. It doesn't yeah. didn't help them out at all either. But, right. uh, they, they but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Right. The, 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 yeah. the, the Chiefs defense has been really good down the stretch. I think I saw something that down the stretch of the season, they only allow like 17 points per game, which is like tops in the league. I think the thing when defending the 49ers is they, they're just so multiple of what they do. And the, running, the passing game, I know everybody thinks that the Niners as a running team, they run to set up the pass. The only thing is if you can't stop the run, then they continue to do that, you know. And then they really mm-hmm. turn into, like, just a running team. But they run, and a lot of things that the 49ers want to do, they just want to run, run the ball to set up the pass and have those explosive plays. And um, Jimmy Garoppolo completed a high percentage, I think the highest percentage in the league, of deep ball passes. Now, he, he doesn't throw a ton. They pick and choose when they want to do it. But when, 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 they, when they know that they have that shot, they take it, and a lot of time, more times than not, they've converted on it. So that that's kind of the part that's a little more difficult for the Chiefs. I think just not seeing an offense like this. But hey, if they can, you know, you have two weeks to prepare for it, and if you can get a read on it and what the Forty Nine ers like to do, you know, you know, obviously anything can happen. They they could very well shut down the Forty Nine ers offense. It's just it just hasn't been that easy throughout the year. Because even teams that have taken away the run, I think the Cardinals game, the second Cardinals game. Um, the 49ers ran for 34 yards, and, and 24 of it came from the running backs. Like 10 of it came from Jimmy G. Well, hmm. Jimmy G still threw for 425 yards, four touchdowns, and you know put up 36 points. So it is just hard to the 49ers are so multiple with what they want to do. It's hard to see a team just stopping the offense. That that that's that's the the thing that I, I, I'm curious to see how they do it. I, I know that the Chiefs have been good down the stretch, so I, I'm curious to see how they do it. Uh, not to say that they can't. I, I just would like to see it. Yeah, and the 49ers have had some games where you know if if you're just if you're if you're doing stat sheet scouting and you know just just looking at the stats and, and trying to trying to see how those games went, where Jimmy Garoppolo didn't appear to be doing much, but you know, like you said, he didn't have to. Um, I, I used to. I used to coach with a guy that would say, uh, don't get bored with success. And I think that's the problem that a lot of offensive coordinators have is that, you know, maybe they're gaining four yards a run, uh, but they want to do something exciting. You know, they, they want to they they put the ball in the air. You know, they want to they light it up. And, um, and, and you know, that's, that's not a problem that Shanahan has. You know, Shanahan realizes, hey, this is working. We're, we're going to stick with it, you know. You know, I rest rest that arm today because because uh, we don't need it. So definitely, yeah, uh, you know, de- definitely a way to be there. Yeah. The Packers game that was kind of that was really incredible. Um, 
I've never seen anything like that in, in my lifetime where a team was, well, I guess uh, the Titans kind of had a similar game against, what, a couple weeks ago where Tannehill threw like 11 passes and they won. But, um, I mean, to you know, attempt eight passes in an NFL game against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, you would think that, like, no, no way that ever happens, right? And it did, you know. So that was that was extremely impressive. And, you know, before you know it, it's 27-0 at halftime. It's like, well, it's like we don't really have to throw, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now, now we've uh, we talked a little bit about the defense. Uh, so uh, Robert Salee, you know, getting some uh, head coach looks, uh, obviously didn't didn't get a job uh, this time around, but you know they're doing a great job uh, on that side of the ball. And one thing I haven't heard much about, but I feel like it's got to be a big factor. Um, you know, a, a year ago, Dallas's defense got much better uh, when when Chris Richard came over, and and all of a sudden they had two defensive coordinators. Um, you know, this year the 49ers were able to bring in Joe Woods. Uh, you know, coaching uh, the, the the secondary and uh, defensive pass game coordinator, um, and you know, I thought he did a great job in Denver a year ago, um, and and now you know he gets there, and and that defense is really, uh, you know, you know, really coming to life uh, this year. And I, obviously, we all know about the the Bosa addition, but I feel like the Joe Joe Woods addition is is really not getting the talk that it should. Um, but what, what uh, you know? What do you think uh, he? What kind of impact do you think he had uh, on the the defensive backs and, and the defense as a whole? No, that, that that's spot on. Um, just from a technical standpoint, um, a lot of what I heard from the 49ers players was, you know, he focused a lot on the technique of things and being more consistent with that. So I think that was uh, that part of it alone is something that made the guys all better. Um, but really, what he brought too was another set of eyes and a different way of doing things. So a 49ers team that had been predominantly a single high cover three team, um, they've mixed it up more. Well, they'll show that it's a single high cover three. Next thing you know, you see a safety bail out. They run some six. They run four. They run man. They do a lot of different things that they weren't doing before. Now, they, they still run the single high, whether everybody's pressed up and they bail out or whatever. They still run that a higher percentage than anything else. But they do run more of all the other things uh, more this season than we've seen in previous years. And I think that's something that maybe Woods has kind of brought to the table because that wasn't something that the 49ers were doing uh, the previous two seasons um, under Salah. So you have got Kyle Shanahan, uh, who lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You've got Richard Sherman, who lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo, who probably you know thought by by this time he'd be the starting quarterback uh, for the Patriots. Uh, you think you know obviously you, you can't uh, you know get to the Super Bowl. That's the, that's the paramount of your profession. But uh, do you think you think there's anybody that's just a little bit disappointed they don't get a shot at Belichick? <laughs> I think a lot of people, right? Um, that was kind of the matchup. I, I know it would have been very interesting. I think for TV ratings. You know, to to have a team that's uh, an offense as polarizing as the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, going up against a defense that's as polarizing as the 49ers, I think maybe more people want to see that. But, oh, man, you know, and I think some people just might tell you they're tired of seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl, right? We've heard that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but I think it, you know, 
that's like the ultimate. Uh, I mean, that that single handedly beating the the Patriots in the Super Bowl is sending Eli Manning most likely to the Hall of Fame. You know, outside of those two games, Eli Manning, I mean, was an extremely average uh, quarterback. Um, one I, I looked up, he he had only in those two Super Bowl runs, those are only times in his 18-year career or whatever that he even, uh, or 16-year career, that he even won a playoff game. So, I mean, his, but he's most likely going to get in the, 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 the Hall of Fame because he beat an undefeated New England Patriots team. And then he beat a Patriots team again. And just beating the Patriots, that brand, who they are, Tom Brady, Belichick, that alone is probably going to send Eli Manning to the Hall of Fame. So that's how big it is to kind of you know, to beat those guys and, and what it does really for how everybody is perceived. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's – you beat Belichick and Brady twice, it's over. You know, even – you know, the, the the Eagles did it too, so maybe that took a little bit of the luster off it, but but, but still, he did it twice. That's, uh, that's enough to get him in. Um, right. So, uh, you know, I – Looking forward to looking forward to the game. I think uh, you know definitely going to be uh, very interesting with the type of dynamic offense the 49ers are running. You know with the, the exciting things that uh, uh, that Mahomes is doing every single week. Uh, I think this is the Super Bowl that everybody uh, is dying for after last year. Um, <laughs> I, right. Personally, I love defense, so I love last year's Super Bowl. But many people were not very happy with, uh, with like the scoring it. last year's Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I was interested in seeing the chess match, and you know both of these teams, the defenses came, in, came out, and I wanted to see like, hell, how are the Patriots going to slow down this offense, right? And they threw a lot yeah. of different things at Jared Goff. I, I actually, from just watching it and the wise and going back and watching, like I went back and watched like, all the third downs. I'm like, man, this is some impressive high level stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I know a lot of people weren't happy with that. They wanted to see more points. They thought it was boring. I thought it was fascinating, to be honest. But, yeah, this game, obviously, and I think a lot of people wanted to see the Rams and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year. So now you have something here where um, it's kind of what you saw last year, you know, uh, uh, quote-unquote good defense against an explosive offense. And, you know, it's like what's going to give? You know, that, that's going to be – that's what's fascinating about this game. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I, I loved last year's Super Bowl, but, uh, but I'm going to love this one for different reasons, I think, too, so. Um, all right, so last question, and, and I'm going I'm to be asking everybody this uh, for the next several weeks. What is your Joe Burrow comp? Uh-huh. Um, Joe Burrow, okay. I have one I tweet out. Okay, and you probably heard this. You kind of remind me of Andy Dalton, right? Now, now I think – I saw somebody say that, and I'm like, gosh, I can't unsee it now. He does. Now, he might just be a high-level <laughs> version of Andy Dalton, right, where, um, you know, if Andy Dalton was a little bit better, better you know, he would have been a first-round pick, and he would have maybe been, you know, looked like Joe Burrow. But I think just with how he plays, it's a little it's a little, uh, it's a little, Andy Dalton-ish, a little Tony Romo-ish. You know, now I'm comparing him to Tony Romo, NFL player, right, not Tony Romo, the undrafted prospect or whatever. Um, but just mm-hmm. how he plays, man, he's 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 athletic. Um, I think he runs well. Um, he makes all the throws. I, I don't think he um, he has anything that really like blows you away from a arm talent perspective. But he makes the throws and he puts the balls in spots where his receivers 
are making plays, I think he's single-handedly getting all his receivers paid. Um, I, I know a lot of people are really high. Oh, man, they're putting up all these crazy numbers and these yards and stuff, but it's like – and they are making the plays at the catch point, but when you watch where it's placed, man, he's putting the ball in spots that, that you know, it, it, it's some high-level stuff. Now, again, he doesn't – you know, you're not looking at Patrick Mahomes coming out with this super arm where he can throw a ball 100 yards, but – I think he's really good, man. And I talked about the 49ers defense and how they're they're very sound. Well, Joe Burrow, man, he's just a really sound football player. He's very well-rounded. I think he does a lot of things very well. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Andy Dalton coming out. I was really high on Andy Dalton. I, I thought Andy Dalton was really good. He was athletic. He was running around. Good enough arm. I think uh, Burrow is that, but just better <laughs> as a prospect. All right, I got you. You, you, some people are going to yell right away when they hear the word Dalton, but 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 I'm 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 with you with the with the explanation. Hopefully they he kept can be better. So. You know, I, I think that's one thing that we kind of get in trouble with prospects is like, yeah, he he might remind me of this guy. He can definitely he can be a higher level of that guy, right? Jimmy Garoppolo, he he reminds me of Tom Brady. Tom Brady's just a higher level version of it, right? So you you mm-hmm. can you can look like somebody or or you know or remind or have the same uh, kind of comp without saying that's exactly who the guy is going to be. You know, athletes, yeah. I always tell people, man, they're, they're athletes are athletes because, you know, and they're where they are because they prove people wrong a lot. So, you know, he, he reminds me, he reminds me of Andy Dalton, just a higher level version. And I think he's somebody, sounds like he takes pride in being from that area, uh, being from Ohio. And, um, you know, it sounds like he loved to play for the Bengals. I, I real quick before I get off, um, I heard Carson Palmer on a podcast. Um, this is John Middlecoff Cop podcast or, uh, earlier this season, and he was talking about how agents were telling him, "We don't want you to go to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a terrible spot for you from a from an organi- organizational uh, standpoint." They didn't think that that was a good spot for him, and they were trying to figure out ways to where he would do kind of what we saw Eli Manning do a couple of years after that, where he's just like, I'm not playing for that team. That's what agents wanted Palmer to do. And Palmer was like, no, 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 I'll change it around. And he said when he got to the Bengals, he quickly realized what everybody was talking about. So, you know, I don't think you're going to have to deal with that with with uh, Joe Burrow. It sounds like he's proud to be from that area and would love to play for you guys. But that is kind of out there that maybe it's the way that the Bengals are being ran. Even though they went to the playoffs a bunch of years, you know they just haven't won. But why? Why haven't they won? What are they not yeah. doing that other teams are doing to get over the hump? Um, you know, whether it's a trade or being aggressive. That's one thing with uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. They've been extremely aggressive with acquiring talent to put the best uh, product on the field that they can. Are the Bengals willing to do that? And I, I can't think of a time where I've seen them really make those aggressive moves, whether in free agency or via trade. Yeah, and, and I think that, uh, you know, really something that, that gets forgotten is that the Bengals were bad for years. Uh, and the whole 90s was a wash. And um, when Marvin Lewis came in, he really he got Mike uh, Brown to do more. You know, he got ownership to do more for them. Uh, and, you know, the – Marvin Lewis had a lot of success in the, in the NFL. You know, he, he was he was good with the with the Bengals for a lot of years. Again, didn't didn't get the playoff win ever. Uh, you know, didn't didn't take that next step. But but he took a team that was 
you know, drafted in the top five like every year um, and, and made them competitive. And, you know, hopefully uh, Taylor's a young guy, you know, and, and maybe that's a, that's a stereotype that, you know, you, you, you look at it that way. But, um, but hopefully Zach Taylor is, is having that kind of influence and he's, and he's pushing management to do some things and, and that he can take that, that next step to, to get them over that hump. So, um, you know, I think that's the thing. I'm sorry? What? Why, why didn't they pull the pull the trigger on a trade for AJ Green? Because I I, I thought John Ross was playing extremely well early on until his injury. Um, Tyler Boyd, I, I really like him and what he brings to to your guys' team. And it's like, well, if AJ Green's not going to play this year, maybe they couldn't trade him. But it sounded like they weren't even interested in trading him. And now it's, you have an older guy um, that now he really has no value, and he didn't end up playing. So maybe that's why they didn't trade him. But um, I thought that was an yeah. opportunity they could have taken advantage of to maybe, you know, just get some draft capital because now he can just kind of walk in free agency. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, there's, do you franchise him? He, do you, you know, do you let him walk? He's always been that guy that, you know, I would compare him in his, in his attitude uh, to Larry Fitzgerald. You know Fitzgerald. You know everybody wanted him to to go somewhere else and go play for, you know, go play with Brady or go you know do this. And I mean, you know, Fitzgerald's been really loyal to his organization, um, and obviously been you know insanely productive as well. Um, you know, Green has always been, and, and unless he's unless he's just talking this way, uh, but he's he always he seems like he's a, he's a super loyal guy. Like he's really happy where he's at. And he wants to be around. Um, you know, so I I wonder. If if they didn't want to get rid of that guy because they they still think that they can work it out with him and they can come back, uh, I would think that Zach Taylor took the job wanting to wanting to coach that guy and you know maybe maybe he's holding on to that idea. Um, but I mean overall they they say um, and Mike Lombardi was saying on a on a podcast a couple of weeks ago that the Bengals are they, they overvalue their people they're they're impossible to trade for. Uh, people wanted to trade for Alex Erickson a couple of years ago who was like fifth on their depth chart, but returning kicks, but, you know, pretty, pretty low on the depth chart. And like, they, like they wouldn't move Alex Erickson. Uh, so, you know, are they going to move AJ Green if they're not moving Alex Erickson? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and Alex Erickson's a guy, I don't, I don't know if he makes his roster next year, if they had, if they had a guy or two, you know, so. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, but, you know, we'll have to see again, hopefully, uh, hopefully some things change and, and, you know, management gets a, a little bit of push uh, from the coaching staff. So, um, all right. So, what uh, you know, where can uh, everybody follow you and uh, look for your work at? Yeah, man. Um, I'm on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. So it's Eric E R I C underscore Crocker C R O C K E R. And uh, yeah, I tweet out a lot of my thoughts. I'm really just a football guy, right? I have people like you're part of the media. You like. Uh, Kind of, but not really. I'm not a media person. I mean, I kind of weasel my way in and, you know, got some credentials for some 49er games, but I'm just a regular football head, man. I just love talking football. I'm really, uh, uh, what's the word, obsessed. I'm, like, obsessed with football. Um, it's been a part of my life as long as I can remember. And, yeah, I just I tweet out my thoughts, man, and sometimes they don't align with what other people want, and they say stuff to me, and I say stuff back. And they're like, you can't say that to me. Like, yes, I can't. <laughs> I'm just a regular person, man. I just happen to play some football, and you know, yeah, I'm just on Twitter, man. With a like, oh, baby, 
you have these crazy take like you have a blue check they should remove it like well, i only have a blue check because i was in the nfl like but i'm just like <laughs> you and i i mean we're the same we're just both people so yeah so, but yeah you guys follow me on twitter at eric underscore crocker and uh yeah you know i definitely uh interact with everybody on there yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You know, it's like uh, uh, people say, "Oh, oh, you know, you're a journalist," and you, I'm like, "No, I like, I just, I like watching film. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't have sources. You know, I, I'm not making predictions out here. I'm just telling you what happens on film. So, uh, I just, right. I just speak the language. I'm translating. So, <laughs> right. but yep. all right, well, I, I do appreciate uh, appreciate you joining me. Um, you know, and and looking forward to this game, and hopefully. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about a Super Bowl next year, but hopefully the Bengals are are the next team making a big time uh, turnaround after coaching the Senior Bowl. So, uh, everybody, uh, you know, make sure you're tuning in again. We're here all off season long. We'll have lots of great guests. Probably have Eric back talking about the draft DBs once he, he gets a chance to catch up on film uh, after this run. Uh, but we'll uh, have a lot of a lot of great guests talking about uh, everything for this this off season, uh, salary cap draft. Uh, and, and all that stuff coming up. So make sure you're, you're staying tuned and we'll be right back here next week for Matt Minnick's Bengals Chalk Talk. Thanks a lot. Yeah,